I hope uh, many of you took the opportunity to work on the homework assignment that I gave you last week, which was this. Uh, and if you didn't do it, you can still do it this week, by the way. Uh, the, the homework assignment was to write out your story of the difference that Jesus makes in your life in 100 words or less, or right around there. Okay, now I know some of you did it because some of you emailed your stories to me this week. And for those that did, thank you so much for that. Um, The reason why I gave you this homework assignment was because, even though it's true, everybody that has accepted Jesus into their heart as Lord and Savior has a story. Not everyone knows how to share their story in a way that causes people to want to hear more. More of your story, but just as importantly, how your story um, intersects with God's story. So we're, we, we want to learn to tell our story in an infectious way, if you will. Now, if you were with us last week, you may remember that I shared my story with you. Um, and it started out kind of like this. That I, I shared with you that when I was young, before I met Jesus, um, I was very insecure. And it was my insecurity that caused me to, um, to get up every day trying to do something to be someone that um, would cause others to love me or cause others to show me approval. And what I discovered is that oftentimes I would go to bed at night realizing that I had failed. Either I hadn't kind of lived up to my own expectations or I hadn't got the sense of approval that I was hoping to get. And um, it was kind of like this never-ending cycle, right? Now, you know what that's called? That philosophy of life that I was living by? The religious terms, there's probably a better way to put it, but the religious term for that way of living, the way I just described to you, is called works righteousness. It is the belief that somehow I need to do something, I need to live in such a way that I can earn the approval or earn the love of other people. Did you know that every major religion in the world is based on that philosophy of life, works righteousness? that I need to do something or you need to do something in order to earn um, your place in the world, in order to earn others' approval or earn God's approval. Every religion is based on that, except for one, Christianity. In fact, I would go so far as to say to you that um, works righteousness is kind of the antithesis of Christianity. Christianity teaches that it's impossible for you as a human being to... Um, do enough to earn God's approval, to do anything that will make um, your, you, God love you. fact of the matter is, Christianity teaches that God already loves you. That he loves you unconditionally, he always has and he always will. There's nothing you can do that's going to make him love you more because he already loves, him, loves you with all of his heart. And there's nothing that you could do that's going to make him stop loving you. That's pretty awesome. But the fact of the matter is, Christianity also teaches that Um, we are sinful, broken human beings. And God is holy and perfect. And sinful brokenness cannot exist with a holy and perfect God. Good news, however, is this. What needs to happen for us as sinful, broken human beings to be in relationship with a holy and perfect God is not something that, that we are to do. It is work that has already been done through Jesus' death on the cross. That, my friends, in just a nutshell, kind of like what Megan just shared in the children's time, is God's story. God 
doing the work that needs to be done so that we can be in relationship with him. This morning, uh, a few weeks ago, we started a, to look at this thing called three-story evangelism. Do you remember that? And what is three-story evangelism? Three-story evangelism is us building relationships with others where we learn their story, they learn our story, and we all learn how God's story is intended to intersect with ours, to how our story is intended to be a part of God's story. Well, that's what we're going to be focusing on this morning. Of those three stories, we're going to be focusing specifically on God's story and how God's story and our story is supposed to intersect. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to uh, John chapter 5. Now, um, we only read one verse from John chapter 5 today, but I'm really going to be preaching on the whole chapter. doesn't mean my sermon's going to be like four hours long, just two. I'm just kidding. Um, but we're going to be looking at the whole chapter, so if you want to start at the beginning with me, you can feel free to follow along. Um, the story that we're going to be reading about in John chapter 5 is very similar to the story that we read last week in John chapter 9. Do you remember that story? Last week was a story about a guy that was born blind and had uh, an experience with Jesus. He was transformed. His life was transformed because of his experience with Jesus, right? Well, today's story is very similar. This is a story about a, a guy who was disabled. He was unable to walk, as a matter of fact, um, not from birth necessarily, but he had been lame for 38 years. So it had been a, a good lot of his life. We don't know how long, but for a good portion of his life, he had been disabled. And just like last week's story, when this man had an encounter with Jesus, his life was transformed. He was healed, and it was awesome. But that's where the similarities between the two stories end. In this story, the guy is sitting on his street corner, um, begging, because as I said, that's kind of their social safety net. He's sitting on a street corner, and when Jesus walks by, he says the strangest thing to this guy. He looks at him sitting there on his mat, and he said, do you want to be made well? Isn't that strange? I mean, who in their right mind wouldn't want to be healed, right? But stop and think about it. If you go just a little deeper into the human psyche, a lot of us really don't want to be healed. A lot of us have accepted our lot in life. In fact, a lot of us are comfortable, even though we know we're broken and our lives could be more and better, whatever word you want to, we kind of go, you know what, I'm, I'm, coming up, I'm on okay. I'm okay with where I am. This is okay. You probably know people like that who aren't willing to, to receive the help that is available for their lives to be transformed. Well, so Jesus says to this guy, he says, he says, do you want to be made well? Well, apparently he did because Jesus heals. He offers him the healing. The guy receives and he's healed. That's awesome. But that's not the end of the story. Later on that same day, they're kind of all out hanging out and, and Jesus sees the guy again. And he looks at him and he says something again, which I find kind of strange. He looks at this guy who's now been healed and he said, look, you're healed. And then he says this. He says, you're healed. But listen to me, you'd better stop sinning or you're going to find yourself in a worse place than you were before. Hmm. So 
we're starting to realize that there's a subtext to this story that, that we really don't even know what it is. All we know is that there's more going on here than what we realized. We don't know what his sin was. We don't know any of that, but, but Jesus does. The thing we can know, however, is this. The guy had a choice. The guy had a choice. He had, he, he had a choice as to whether or not he would continue sinning the way he had been sinning, whatever that was. And, and he had the responsibility of realizing that whatever choice he made carried with it consequences. That's true of everybody, right? Now, when I hear stories like this, I hearken back to that philosophy of life that I told you about earlier, the one about works righteousness, right? And I think, that's why everybody believes in works righteousness. That's why everybody falls so naturally into that, well, um, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got I to gotta perform in order to achieve this, or in order to earn this person's approval, I'm responsible for my own choices and the consequences. It sounds like works righteousness, doesn't it? But listen to me. There is a huge difference between personal responsibility and works righteousness. Let me say that again. There is a huge difference between taking responsibility for your own well-being, for your own actions, and believing that somehow your actions are what make you worthy. Two different things. As you continue on with the story, that'll begin to clear itself up. So, word begins to spread. This guy that had been lame for 38 years is now well. Word begins to spread that it's Jesus that has done the the miraculous transformation in this man's life. So people start seeking Jesus out, which is probably exactly why he did the miracle in the first place, by the way, because he had a purpose for it. People begin seeking Jesus out and asking him questions, asking him who he is and, and why he does what he does. And, and again, this is where the story gets kind of strange. Because as they're asking him these questions, everybody gets kind of freaked out by his answers. Because his answers are kind of contrary to conventional wisdom. They are not what people expected him to say. And he was saying it with such confidence and such self-assurance. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, sometimes people who are just confident and self-assured freak people out, don't they? People shouldn't be that confident. There must be something wrong. And then, Jesus, I, I learned this term last week and I love it. Jesus lays a truth bomb on them. You guys ever heard that? He lays a truth bomb on them. He says in John chapter 5, verse 24, I'm not even sure they understood it was a bomb, but it was. In John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus says to them, whoever believes my words and in him who sent me, they shall have eternal life and shall not be judged and they have crossed over from death to life. You're all saying, but that doesn't sound like a bomb to me. Dig deep, because that's a bomb. 
Whoever believes in him who sent me. Whoever believes in my words and in him who sent me shall not be judged, but shall have eternal life. And they have crossed over from death to life. In other words, you are responsible, but not for what you think. You are not responsible for earning other people's loves, or you shouldn't live your life trying to earn other people's love, and certainly not trying to earn God's love. You are not responsible for living a life that is pure and righteous because you will fail. Now, it's not to say you shouldn't strive for that, but don't believe that living a life of purity and righteousness will cause others to love you or cause God to love you. That is not what you are responsible for. You are responsible for the choices that you make. And ultimately, the choice as to whether or not you will believe in Jesus and in the one who sent him. You see? All the work that needs to be done for you to be made worthy and to be righteous has already been done by Jesus' work on the cross. In fact, that's what Jesus was saying here when he laid this truth bomb on them. He was prophesying to them. He was telegraphing to them what was going to happen. He was saying to them, judgment doesn't have to be for you. If only you would believe in my words and in him who sent me, you will not be judged, but have eternal life, and you will cross over from death to life. What he was trying to say is that I'm going to do the work for you. I'm going to die on the cross, and it will be that cross that allows you to cross over from death to life. Courtney got it, thank you. No, everybody else is going, what? (laughs) That is God's story. One little verse. Believe in my words, Jesus said, and believe in him who sent me. And you will have eternal life. And you shall not be judged. Even though you deserve it, you won't be. And you can cross over from death to life. That is God's story intersecting with our story, right? Pretty simple. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to explain it. In the book... um, uh, just walk across the room, which we've been studying is in our life groups. Mark, would you go ahead and put that up there for me now? If you've, if you've um, been in a, a book study or if you have um, been reading the book yourself, you'll notice that the author of the book has this little illustration in there. And this illustration um, is God's story. You don't have to, as I said, you don't have to be 
um, a rocket scientist to understand it or to explain it, and you don't have to be Leonardo da Vinci to draw it either, okay? (laughs) There is a chasm between us as sinful, broken human beings and God who is perfect and holy. And the chasm between us is called sin and death. And there is no way for us human beings to build a bridge between that chasm. It's just so vast. The good news is we didn't have to because God did. God built him. He built the bridge, and it's called the cross, which allows us as sinful, broken human beings to cross over and be in relationship with this perfect and holy God. You don't have to be a rocket scientist or a Bible scholar, and you don't have to be uh, an artist like Leanne. Anybody can do that. You can do that. The question is, are you willing I've been saying over and over again these last few weeks that you are the person that you are for a reason. God needs someone just like you in the world today. Because there are people in the world today who will never hear that unless they hear it from you. You can do this. The question is, are you willing? Now, remember what we've been talking about. You do not need to go find a stranger at lunch today and say, hey, let me sit down and write this out for you. (laughs) God will show you. God will bring you those people. And if, if you're paying attention, the Holy Spirit will whisper in your ear and say, be Leonardo da Vinci. Show them that thing. Are you willing? Because it's possible that the only way some people will ever hear God's story is if they hear it from you.